Hello, and welcome to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Uh, Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan, and is led by Pastor Daniel White. Uh, Today we're going to be joining Pastor White as he continues his series on the family. So let's get out our Bibles and get ready to join Pastor White as he teaches us about God's plan for home and the family. Genesis chapter 2. Tonight we're going to talk about how a wife can help her husband fulfill that spiritual leadership role. Now we've been dealing with spiritual leadership for the past three Wednesday nights and so we're going to take one night here this evening for the ladies. And so let's begin here, Genesis chapter 2 verse 18, and the Lord God said it is not good that man should be alone, I will make him a helpmeet for him. Verse 21, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam And he slept and took one of the ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. Why did God bring the woman to the man? So she could be his what? Help me. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken Out of man. Therefore, shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Heavenly Father, we live in a a time when your design has been turned upside down, when so many do not even understand the purpose of their creation and why you brought the woman into the life of the man. And so tonight as we go back to Genesis and we then go through the Old and New Testament as well and we see the role that the woman has and how important that role is to the function of the home. Father, I pray you'd bless our dear ladies here tonight and help them to get a vision on what they need to be to accomplish the very purpose for which you brought them into this world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right. This is the verse that we just looked at. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helpmeet. The word means someone to aid him, someone to assist him, and someone to help him in life. So the goal of every wife is to help her husband be successful in what God has called him to do. She comes along and she aids him, she assists him, she helps him in that area. Now let's do a quick little review over where we've been for the past three weeks. We saw that the husband is instructed by the Lord to take the spiritual leadership of their home. And so this is one area in which the wife is to come along and she is to help him fulfill this God-given responsibility. Next, we saw that he is to provide leadership. And again, she's to come along and she is to help him be a successful leader. We see that he is to provide 
direction for the home. We talk quite a bit about that through developing biblical convictions. And she's to come along and she's to help him in this area. <clears throat> he is to provide the protection that is needed. Remember the umbrella of protection. We'll get to that as we close the lesson out tonight. By the way, last week I told you how many slides did I have for you ladies? I said I had 12 slides for you ladies. I've doubled it. <laughs> All right. So in one, in one week it's doubled. Because I, I didn't want you to feel like you were being left out or anything like that. So the husband is to provide protection. So you're to help your husband, right? In this area, well, maybe even let him know how you need to be protected and how your family needs to be protected. And then we find that the husband is to provide basic needs without becoming materialistic. And so these are the areas that we looked at over the past three weeks that a husband needs to fulfill and the wife is to help him, aid him, assist him in these areas. But many husbands feel that they are inadequate, unqualified to assume the spiritual leadership of the home. Many men struggle with low self-worth. And uh, here's one reason why they struggle with that, because many of them feel that their wives are better readers, that their wives are better students of the Bible, and that their wives are more spiritual. Now, is this often the case? Yes. yes, this is often the case that this is true. But even if that is true, does that mean that you cannot be the spiritual leader? Well, of course not. My wife is a far better reader than I am. I can't even pronounce words. My wife is a far better student of the Bible. She's in the Bible, really, more than I am. She is, I'm going to say, more spiritual than I am. But can I still be her spiritual leader? Well, absolutely. <clears throat> it requires a real major commitment and effort on the part of a husband to initiate spiritual activities. And this goes back, remember why I said I believe this is the case? Because woman's loving submission was corrupted as a result of the fall, and man's loving leadership was also corrupted. Okay? So it's not, it's not natural for a woman to submit. It's not natural for a man with our fallen nature to assume the spiritual leadership of the family. Very difficult for a man to make prayer a priority. Very difficult for a man to have the discipline of reading the Bible and taking that spiritual leadership there. To have family devotions is almost unheard, even among God's men. For them to have a time of family devotions is very, very rare to find a man that, that does this with his family. To have family ministries. <clears throat> to have a man that said, you know, I want my family to be engaged in ministry. And this is what we're going to do as a ministry in our family, to be faithful to church. Usually, who is it that's encouraging faithfulness? It's usually the woman. She's the one that's, you know, trying to get everyone up and going and to church, not the man. <clears throat> Very difficult for men to uh, <clears throat> have spiritual discussions to talk about spiritual things with their wife. They just kind of feel uncomfortable in doing this, and, and even with their children. And we could do et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay? 
So prayer, Bible reading, family devotions, ministry, faithful church attendance, discussing spiritual things. Many men, they're in the back seat when it comes to this, and they kind of let the wife in the driver's seat. Listen to me. It can't be that way. That is not how God designed it to be. Give me an amen. Amen. All right. So ladies, here's, here's the thing. How can you help your husband get out of the back seat and get into the front seat behind the steering wheel and direct your family spiritually? This is what we're going to talk about here this evening. The slightest resistance. Remember, because it's not natural for a man to assume that role, the slightest resistance of the wife is usually enough to discourage the man completely from taking the spiritual leadership. A man's identity, his goals in life, his finances, his priorities, his marriage, his children are all directly affected by whether or not he takes spiritual leadership. Yes or no? Yeah. So look at, all, look at all these things. His identity, his goals, his finances, his priority, his marriage, his children, and maybe you can even throw a few more things in there, are all affected either positively or negatively by whether or not this man, this man of yours, this husband of yours, really steps up to the plate and takes the spiritual leadership. So how can you help him? That's why God brought you into his life. How can you help him in this specific area? So therefore, it is the wife's highest challenge, and I'd say priority and calling to be a loving helpmate in this area. So let me give you a few suggestions. First of all, a leader is made by a what? It's pretty hard to be a leader if no one's going to follow you, right? And if the wife doesn't follow your leadership, can you expect the children to follow the leadership? If a wife is going to rebel and resist and be unsubmissive, what kind of example is that to the children? So a leader is made by a follower. Wives, you have to say, I am going to follow my husband's leadership. This is what God has called me to do. Submission. Humility. Does it take humility to be a follower? Why is there a lot of problems in the workplace? Talk to me. Why is there a lot of problems in the workplace? People, people, everybody wants to be the leader. Everyone wants to make decisions. Everyone wants to do their own thing. No one wants to be the follower. No one wants to submit. A lot of problems in the workplace. When we see church problems, what do church problems usually stem from? Someone doesn't want to submit. Someone is too prideful. Lack of humility. Commitment. It takes commitment to be a follower. I am going to follow my husband. Whether he is a good leader, whether he's a bad leader, whether he makes some real bonehead decisions, whether the way he leads me brings difficulty into my life, I am committed 
I'm not going to bail on this. There's a lot of people bailing, right? I'm going to bail out. No, I'm gonna, I am sticking with my husband. I'm going to submit. I'm going to be humble. I'm going to be committed to him. I'm going to serve him. Matter of fact, the Bible said, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be a what? Learn to be a servant. These are not easy things. I'm going to submit. It requires humility. I am going to be committed to my marriage. I am going to serve my husband. I'm going to have a servant spirit. I'm going to obey. Wasn't that in the wedding vows? You, okay. Used to be. Still in the wedding vows I, I have. Requires sacrifice. We live in a culture where no one wants to sacrifice anymore. I'll tell you, you ladies do not have an easy job. Putting up with us men, humbling yourself, submitting, being committed to us, serving us, obeying us, sacrificing your will for our will, even as Abraham calling him Lord. See, I got to call that guy sitting by me my Lord. Requires meekness, which is, means yielding your rights. Number two, a leader is strengthened by encouragement and respect. Now, what did we teach you that the number one need of a husband was? Okay, what was the number one need of a wife? Cherished. To feel cherished, okay. What was the number one need of a husband? To feel reverence or respected by his wife. So a leader is strengthened and he is encouraged when you give him respect. Likewise, you wives, be in what? Subjection. subjection. That's very, being very respectful. Be in subjection to your own husbands, not to other men, but to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they may also without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. So he's even dealing in a situation here where you have a saved wife and an unsaved husband, or you have a saved wife and a very carnal husband who just does not obey God, all right? So if you have an unsaved husband that doesn't obey the Lord, or you have a very carnal husband that doesn't obey the Lord, what does the Bible still tell you to do, ladies? Be in subjection. Be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they may also without the word be one conversation. That means the way you live your life, your lifestyle of the wife. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Who's adorning? How do you adorn yourself? Who's adorning? <clears throat> Let it not be the outward adorning. What's more important than the outward? The inward. God looks not on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. 
So don't be so concerned about the outward appearance. Be more concerned about your heart. Who's adorning, let it not be the outward adorning of the plaiting of the hair, the wearing of gold, or the putting on of apparel. I mean, don't look like this. That's not impressive. But let it be the hidden man of the heart, in which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a what? Meek and quiet spirit. Now listen, you need to understand this, because a lot of times when we see that meek and quiet spirit, we think of little mousy women, okay? Just real quiet, never say anything, really shy, you know, recluse. That's not what meek and quiet means, okay? If that's what that means, then my wife definitely is not a meek and quiet <laughs> spirit. Never has been, never will be. Neither is my mother-in-law. Is she here? Oh, there, mom's back there. What does that verse say? As a, as, a, as a daughter, as a mother, as a daughter is, so is her, no, as a mother is, so is her daughter, something like that? No, a meek and quiet spirit means one that doesn't flip out, one that's peaceful, one that just worry, does not control their life. They're, they just have this amazing trust in the Lord. And you know what? That is what a woman needs to submit to a man. Because she's got to be able to look past that man and all his failures. And she's got to be able to look to God and say, God, you brought me you're going, to lead, you're going to lead me through this man with all of his stains, flaws, and imperfections. I can have a meek and a quiet. I can be at rest. I don't have to flip out. I don't have to try to control him. I don't have to nag him. We'll get to all those things here in a minute. Which is in the sight of God. What kind of price? Wow, great value. There's great value to God, and there's a great value to a husband to have a wife like this. And then it says, then it gives us this example. For after this manner, in old time, the holy women also, who trusted what? Looking past their husband. Got it, ladies? Looking past their husband to God. Adorned themselves, being in subjection to their own husband, even if Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, so long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Listen, don't be amazed at this teaching, okay? Don't be overwhelmed. This is a good teaching, amen? amen. And God will bless you if you get a hold of it. 1 Corinthians <clears throat> chapter 7, verse 13 through verse 14. And I wanted just to pause on this for just a minute because... It is so important that if you have an unsaved husband that you really listen to what pastor's teaching tonight. That God could open his heart simply because of what it says here is your sanctification in his life. It said, and, and the women which have a husband that believeth not, if he, if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. So it's not that you can say, you know what, I'm married to an unsaved guy. He just doesn't understand spiritual things and he isn't concerned about spiritual things and I just need to dump him. No. Let her not leave him. For the unbelieving husband, and I highlighted this word, is what? Sanctified. Sanctified. 
He is set apart. The, the Lord is targeting him, okay? So how is the Lord targeting the heart of this unsaved husband? Through his wife, through the conversation, through the meek and quiet spirit, through her holiness as holy women. God is using you as a sanctifying force in your husband's life, and then he comes to vice versa. And then it says this, else were your children unclean, but now are they what? Holy. The holy influence that a godly wife has in the home, even with an unsaved husband. Matter of fact, we have an example of this in the Bible. Who was a, a, a young man in the scriptures who God used in an amazing way who had an unsaved father? Does anybody remember? Timothy. He had a very godly mother and he had a very godly grandmother who brought him up in the ways of the Lord, okay? But his father was a Greek and totally an unbeliever, had no support there. But look at how Timothy turned out. And, and we don't know whatever happened to his father. Maybe his father did become a believer later on, the Bible doesn't say. But Timothy's mother had a sanctifying effect on her husband and on her children. So just be a faithful wife. Let your light so what? Shine before men, especially your husband. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. See that the wife what? Reverence her husband. It doesn't say whether he is saved or whether he is lost or whether he is carnal. We are to reverence. Dear the beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, stain for fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation, your lifestyle honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may buy your what? Good works, which they behold. Glorify God in the day of visitation. Just do good works. Do good works to your husband. And when God visits him with conviction, perhaps his heart will be open. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. So to include your husband, whether it be kings or supreme or governors, unto them that are sent for the punishment of evildoers or for the praise of them that do well. For this is the will of God that with what? Well doing. Do good. Do well. Be the kind of wife that God would have you to be. Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. And we'll put in there, honor your husband. And listen, never stop praying for him whether he is saved and seeking to walk with the Lord, whether he is carnal and has no heart for the Lord, or whether he is unsaved. Ladies, there is power in prayer. Pray, pray, pray. Pray daily for your husband. He needs it. So let's go back to this submission thing. So what do you do when your husband makes a decision that you completely disagree with? Do you let him have it? Do you give him a piece of your mind? Someone said, don't do that. You can't afford it. No, you remain respectful. Even if you disagree, you remain respectful. Because if you become disrespectful, he's going to close his spirit off to you. He'll turn his heart away from you, just like anyone would. Right? You know, I think of myself not only as a husband, but as a father. 
if one of my children come to me with a disrespectful attitude, forget it. You got it? It ain't happening. <laughs> the same thing as a pet. You know who has the most influence upon me? Those who are respectful toward me. It's just the way it is. Okay? But the difficulty is showing respect when he's not really worthy of it. Now, be honest with me. Are there some husbands that aren't worthy of respect? Yeah, they're like, uh, you know. Yeah, it's difficult. When you observe major character flaws and weaknesses in your husband's life, and if, some, if anyone's going to see him, who's going to see him? The wife and the children, okay? We can fool everyone else, but we're not going to fool our wives and our children. But when you see these major character weaknesses, first of all, let me say, just remember, you have some too. <laughs> we all do, okay? But God wants you to look beyond that. Look beyond his weaknesses and realize that God has given you a position and that position is a position of submission. And that God, listen to me, God will bless your life and God will direct you as you obey the Lord. Can you make him obey the Lord? Can you make him do what's right? We can't make anyone do what's right. We can't make anyone obey the Lord. If we could, believe me, I would try it on you. But I cannot do that. You cannot do that. But we can have the power of influence. But as soon as we become disrespectful, it's gone. Wife is to respect the God-ordained office of her husband, even if his life doesn't measure up. Wouldn't you like to see people respect our president just a little bit more than he does? Now, I'm the first one to say his life doesn't measure up. But we have to respect that office. I remember when President Obama, that was, that, that was hard for me to respect President Obama. I had to respect the office. I didn't respect his policies. I'm glad we have a president that I can respect his policies. I'm thankful for his policies. But yeah, it's hard. We all know that it's hard when someone is in authority over us and we do not see them as someone worthy of our respect and honor. But that doesn't mean that we're not supposed to do it. Again, let me say, let me say it. You have to look what? Say it with me. You have to look what? Past. Okay? Look past. Look beyond that person to the Lord, because the powers that be are ordained of God. I mean, he puts them in place. So we must obey God rather than man if our authority asks us to do something that's not right. Okay? If a woman's husband... Now, I know I've actually heard teaching. I've set under teaching that has said, whatever your husband tells you to do, you need to do it, even, even if it's unbiblical, even if it violates Scripture, you just need to obey your husband, and, uh, you know, God will take it. I don't believe that one single bit. 
I think we are all going to stand and give an account of ourselves to the Lord. And we are never to disobey God. So if a husband ever asks you or tries to force you to disobey God, you have to respectfully, what? Decline. And then sometimes when we respectfully decline, no matter what the authority, if the authority is asking, for example, let's say the government authority comes in here and tells me I can no longer preach from the Bible. What are we going to do? We're going to preach from the Bible, right? Because that's what we are commanded to do. And then we have to be willing to suffer for righteousness' sake. That's just sticking to your convictions. So never become disrespectful, uh, especially if your husband asks you to do something that you just simply cannot do. The more a wife, the more, and I believe this to be true, the more a wife looks to her husband for leadership, looks to him for direction, the more he's going to be motivated to seek the Lord. Wow, my, my wife is depending upon me. My wife is looking to me. My wife is expecting me to direct her. I better, I better get some direction from the Lord. Does that all make sense? So just let him know, honey, I love you. I'm under your authority. I believe God's going to lead my life through you. God's going to bless me through you. The whole thing, you're getting back to where we started to be in that help me to him. So let me share with you 25 ways that you can communicate respect to your husband without ever saying a word. Ever saying a word. Be joyful around him. An unhappy wife is a public rebuke. Happy wife. Well, you've heard that before, huh? Honor his wishes. Give him your undivided attention. Don't interrupt him. Emphasize his good points. Pray for him. Don't nag him. Don't do this. Be what? Have that spirit of gratefulness. Respond to him physically. Have eyes only for him. You know, usually we talk about men, you know. Kiss him goodbye. Prepare his favorite foods. You know the old saying, the way to a man's heart is through his... Boy, does my wife have my heart. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Cherish your times together. Actually, my wife just said that to me today. She said, I'm so looking to my time with you down in Florida. My favorite time of the year. I just love being with you. Don't complain. Resist the urge to correct him. Dress in a way that pleases him. Keep the house clean. I've never met a man that likes a messy house. Be what? Take his counsel and advice. 
My wife said to me this morning, she said she was sitting there and we were drinking our coffee and she said, I need to talk to you. And she just spent time sharing with me and asking my counsel. And an hour and a half later, why are you laughing? <laughs> she looked at me and she said, thank you for letting me share with you. Admire him. My wife usually signs the cards, your adoring wife. Protect his reputation. Forgive him. Don't argue with him. No one ever wins an argument. Follow his leadership. Be his cheerleader. Isn't that cute? Be your husband's number one cheerleader. Let me tell you something. I've seen over the years men leave their wives because Satan brought another cheerleader their way. Number three, a leader is motivated by a learner. Someone that will get under his authority and learn from him. <clears throat> most men, most, I won't say all, some are just totally irresponsible and won't step up to the plate, but most men will rise to leadership when their wives come to them for answers and for direction. Honey, I need, I need, I need your counsel. I need your advice. I have this question. What do you think? I'm looking for God to direct my life through you. Even if they don't feel qualified, they'll say, you know what, I'll find out. I don't have the answer right now, but I'll pray about this and I'll give pastor a call. Or Remember sometimes I'll talk to my dad about that. Kind of sad my dad's not alive to call anymore. This is where, this is my opinion, this is where wives make a huge and serious mistake. It's when they don't go to their husbands. Now they have all the reasons. But remember, let's go back to our original text. God has called you to be his what? And you will help him if you go to him. You will motivate him in this area. So many times women will, instead of going to their husbands, they will seek counsel from outside sources. They'll talk to their friends. Well, I, I, sh I guess I should have updated this and say they'll text their friends. Right? Maybe they'll contact the pastor. Maybe there's a Bible teacher that they respect. Well, he'll know the answer. Pastor told me to ask my husband, but I'll ask the Bible teacher. Call in radio programs. 
I remember when you used to be able to listen to Family Life Radio. That was like 20-some years ago. They used to have these call-in programs. And it would always be men, and women would always call in. It was always women that would call in. And these psychologists, psychiatrists, Christian psychologists, would hear the spiel from the woman, and then they would give her advice. And so many times I felt like calling in saying, Mr. So-and-so, you are so dumb. Don't you realize that these women are telling you this all from their perspective? Don't you think you ought to also get the perspective of the husband? Other respected leaders in the church, sometimes they'll go to. They'll go to other women, spiritual women in the church. But here are some reasons why they won't go to their husband. He won't know the answer. Again, if he doesn't know the answer, you going to him will motivate him to what? To find the answer. So don't just say he doesn't know the answer. He may not. My husband's just too busy. Try to talk to him. He seems to always be blowing me off. He's just too busy. He's not concerned about spiritual things, so how could he ever lead, guide, and direct my life spiritually? He's so carnal. Or he's not a Christian. Now, do these sound like legitimate reasons not to go to your husband? Yes or no? Mm -hmm. They are. We're not using reasoning. God's ways are not. His thoughts are not. Our thoughts are... But God says go. So let's look at some benefits. From seeking the spiritual direction of your husband. You'll be looking to your husbands and not others for spiritual guidance. And this is exactly what the Bible tells you to do. You will allow others to see that your husband is your spiritual leader. This will foster respect and the greatest need of a husband is to be respected. You will strengthen your marriage. You won't weaken it. Right? How's it going to weaken your marriage? It's not. It's going to only strengthen it. You will prevent yourself from becoming spiritually proud. I know more than my husband. Well, you may. Just think about this. Is it possible that there's people here in this church that know more about the Bible than I do? Yes or no? Of course. I know Pastor Peterson does. If he doesn't, there's something wrong with him. <laughs> but Pastor Peterson is so respectful of me as a pastor. I love this man. I can't tell you how many times he encourages me when he shakes my hand on the way out the door. But he knows more in the Bible than I do. You will be encouraging your husband to take the leadership in your marriage. And really, isn't that what every wife wants? 
So I guess what I'm saying is don't undermine this. You'll help him gain the confidence that he needs. I mean, you got to start somewhere, right? And once he starts, maybe he will continue and develop that confidence in his leadership. <clears throat> but here are some tactics that women use to control their husbands. Anger. Listen, does that ever work in any situation? The power and control, okay? It doesn't work. Disagreement. Argument. Complaining. The stare. The showing disgust. I can never do it. The silent treatment. I guess of all of these, that's the best one right there is the silent treatment. <laughs> the yelling, the disrespectful walking away. sneering, the character assassinations, <laughs> withholding physical relationships, this rejection, and I want to end with this familiar, I tried to restructure it differently so it looks different, but it's the same principle. Okay? This all comes back to the protection that God gives you through your husband and through your authorities. <clears throat> God is the ultimate authority, right? We know that. <clears throat> Come over here. We have, God, we have God given authority, and over here we have Satan. Okay? The real question is where are you going to fall under? <clears throat> authority is a specified jurisdiction delegated by God. Let's say that together. Authority is a specified jurisdiction delegated by God. And there's lots of different areas of authority, right? We're all under authority in some way or the other. The powers that be ordained of God. Submission, okay, let's really get this down. Submission is an attitude of reverence in which a person voluntarily places themselves under God-given authority. Much easier when that authority is spirit-filled and walking with God, that's not hard. But what makes it hard is when they're not. Rebellion is saying, you can just, you know, I put this picture up here of this lady hugging her husband, and then the other one, she's giving him the, he's giving her the eye. The sneering, the look. Okay, you can tell she's not happy. What happens is we move out from under authority when we rebel. Don't you wish teenagers would just get a hold of this <laughs> and stay under parental authority? Just think of how different this world would be if we'd all just get under authority. 
looking past that authority and looking to God. There's destruction. Again, Satan walks what? Round about. Isn't that interesting? Doesn't say he walks under. He walks round about seeking whom he may devour. Ladies, let's be our husband's help. And if you see some areas tonight in which you have not been a good helpmeet in, I would strongly suggest you to take that to the Lord and then to take that to your husband. And name it by name and ask him if he would forgive you. And you know what? He will. And you can move forward in being the helpmeet that God has called you to be. And all God's people said, and I have ended one minute to eight. Wow. See, the ladies aren't near as bad as the men. The men go to 20 after. Okay? Let's pray. Jim, would you close us in prayer, please? You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.